0: And now, here's a word from the Lord.
1: Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. When you go out to fight your enemies, and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. The Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. When you prepare for battle, the priest must come forward to speak to the troops. He will say to them, listen to me. All you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, Has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? If so, you may go home. But if you or you might be killed in the battle, and someone else might... Would dedicate your house has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten any of its fruit if so you may go home you might die in battle and someone else would eat the, the the first fruit has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet married her well you may go home and get married you might die in the battle and jody might marry your girl then the officers will also say is anyone here afraid or worried If you are, you may go home before you frighten anyone else. When the officers have finished speaking to their troops, uh, they will appoint the unit commanders. As you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, if they act like they want that smoke... You must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your swords to kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. You may enjoy the plunder from your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations of the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, destroy every living thing. You must completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. This will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which will cause you to sin deeply against the Lord your God and all God's people said, amen. I want to talk simply from the thought today, fight, fight. I want to talk today from the thought, fight, fight. I don't know if you've ever been with someone insecure where uh, every movement was, co- it was questioned. Every phone call you received was questioned. If you uh, are very kind and friendly to someone of the opposite sex, even if you don't know them, uh, they're questioning what 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 was that all about, you know. And you you respond, I just said hello, yeah. But the way you said it, you said it like you all. you know. They they, they they can be insecure. You it may take you it may take you uh, 30 minutes to get home from work. You normally get home at 5:30 p.m. Uh, every day, but you get home one day at 5:35 p.m. and they want to know where you been. Where have you been? And you tell them, Listen, I didn't walk out the door right at five o'clock, and then there was an accident on my way home, but yeah, it's still, it, it took you you, you you home way late. I'm, I'm home five minutes later than I normally am. They're so insecure. They're suspicious. They, they're, they're just uh, automatically jumping to some, some awful conclusions. You, I wonder if you know some people like that. I wonder if you've dated some people like that, worked for some people like that, married some people like that. I raised that question to ask you this. Is God insecure? Do you think think God is insecure? I raise that question because the Bible makes it clear that our God is a jealous God. It's mentioned, in fact, several times in Scripture. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, we're told, You must not bow down to them, these other gods, or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 24 says. The Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 32 16 to 18. They stirred up his jealousy. By worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God, to gods they had not known before, to new gods only recently arrived, to gods their ancestors had never feared, you neglected the rock who had fathered you, you forgot the God who had given you birth. Let me, let me give you my take on this, this whole situation. Uh, our God is not insecure. He, he, he is not. Insecure, He does not want those who belong to him to be pulled away from him, but God is not insecure. He does not want his people worshiping other gods, but God is not insecure. After all, there are no other gods. Any other god worshiped by anyone is a god who cannot hear, cannot see, cannot move mountains, cannot heal cancer or COVID, cannot show love or demonstrate compassion, grace, uh, Uh, mercy or goodness there is no other God of which to be jealous God's concern is that of his people whom he loves with such great intensity uh, not reciprocating uh, with an intense love toward him his love for us is so intense y'all that nothing can separate us from his love come here Paul help me talk to the people Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 35 can anything ever separate us from Christ's love Can anything ever come up to cause Christ to stop loving you? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God wanted Israel to give him what he offers them. He he, he wanted love from them, responding to his love for them. God wanted love from them, responding to his love for them. If worshipers are not careful, we can be persuaded to believe and embrace some things that pull us away from such a love towards God. This is why God is commanding his people to fight for Canaan and attack the heathen influences they will find there. And let's be clear on what this fight is all about. It is a fight for a place in worship that Israel would not compromise worshiping God and God alone and loving him with all their heart, all their soul and all their strength. They, they they are to fight to inoculate themselves against heathenistic influence that would contaminate their worship unto god Look at verse 18 of our text today, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 18. It makes it clear what this fight is all about. Deuteronomy 20, 18 says, this will prevent the people of the land from teaching you to imitate their detestable customs in the worship of their gods, which will cause you, here it is, y'all, to sin deeply against the Lord, your God. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, God is commissioning his people to go into battle to go and fight the inhabitants of Canaan. They, they were to fight to come to a place in their worship where they would never kick God to the curb. They they aren't just fighting to to occupy places, geographical places in Canaan. They are fighting to, as they would occupy geographical places in Canaan, that they would come to a place in communion where they would never, ever turn away from God. They, they they were to not just come to a place geographically and occupying Jericho and Ai and Gilgal as, as geographical places and only to live in those places and worship other gods no they were to come to a place not only geographically y'all but in their relationship with God a place where nothing can pull them away from him nothing can cause them to turn from him nothing would cause them or, or persuade them to rebel against God they they were to war for a place in him to where being unfaithful to the Lord was unimaginable unfathomable and no way in the world While God has declared nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, we must declare we will not allow anything to separate us from faithful fellowship with Christ. And when I say nothing, I mean nothing no other religious teachings will do it no new age or self help guru will do it listen no one will convince me that God the father we need to be at this place where no one will convince me that God the father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not the one and only sovereign God of heaven and earth we need to come to a place where no one will have me talking about how the universe brings good things to me we need to be in a place where we will give God glory for for his goodness and his mercy following us all the days of our lives and how he bestows upon us good and perfect gifts that can only come from him we are to fight for a place in our worship where we will not abandon trusting in our personal god for an impersonable uh, universe or a, even a personable universe or universe or some bland generic higher power the fight israel is to initiate is one of a place in in their worship where they are assured that the Lord their God is one Lord, and they are loving him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength. And let me tell you something, Union Grove, and all of you who are worshiping with us, let me tell you something, you don't just end up in that place. You, You don't just happen to find yourself in that place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, this, this, this place, this place is a place where, where you got to fight to get there. You don't just stroll out of darkness and, and life of living like you're the devil's offspring. And the next thing you know, you're living holy and sanctified and walking in victory. Getting to that place, that place where no influence will pull you away from the one who saved you and delivered you and changed you and transformed you and sealed you and filled you takes warfare you got to fight to get to that place. And I believe I'm talking to somebody who may be in the throes of it. Someone who's tired of turning away from God. Tired of, of being hit and missed with God. Tired of, of coming and going with God. You, you want to be closer to God. You want to have a tighter communion with God. Well, can't nobody pull you away from the God of, our hev- of heaven and earth. So how do we fight to get to a place a faithful worship. Good question. I'm glad you asked. Couple of things, real quick. We're going to raise up. Number one be assertive in obtaining your promise. Be assertive in obtaining your promise. I'm going to look at verses 1 and 3 of Deuteronomy chapter 20. Be assertive in obtaining your promise. Here's what God told them in telling them to be assertive in obtaining uh, their promise. Verse 1. When you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. Then in verse 3, he will say to them, listen to me, all you men of Israel, watch this, do not be afraid. As you go out to fight your enemies today. God was calling this next generation of Israel, as I've been telling y'all throughout this uh, series of of, of Deuteronomy, that Moses is talking to a younger crowd that's going to go in and take Canaan. He's talking to a crowd around 40 and under who's going to go in and set up their lives, build their lives and their families and, and, and their judicial systems and their law enforcement systems. Everything is going to be built from the ground up. And he's telling them that they're going to have to be assertive. They're going to have to go out to fight. Their enemies. They were not, y'all, they were not to sit back and wait for Canaan to fall in their lap. They were not to chill in the wilderness as if Canaan was going to be given to them because they were entitled to it. The only way they were going to possess what God had promised was to get up and go get it. Israel, Israel in this text, I don't know if you picked up on it, but Israel was to initiate the conflicts. They, they, they were to pick the fights with all these people that they got to go to, that they got to scrap with. They, they were to go and jump everybody in Canaan. Yeah. They, they were going to ambush folks. They, they were called to engage in some gangstology. God was calling them to be gangster. God, we, I don't know if you've ever studied the gangstology of God. God himself can be gangster. I don't know if y'all ever watched. In the scriptures, the, the gangster side of God, God, God en- engages in gangstology. When, 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 when the death angel was released to pass over Egypt and, and the death angel took all the firstborn males of the Egyptian households but let the, 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 the Jews' uh, households intact, that was a gangster move on behalf of God. When, when, God when, when the Red Sea parted for Israel and Pharaoh and his army drowned in it, that was a gangster move from God. When when Israel marched around Jericho and the Jericho walls just fell down, that was a gangster move from God. When God had a disobedient prophet named Jonah swallowed up in the belly of a great fish and vomited out after he repented to be swallowed up in the belly of a great fish. Now, that's gangster. That's that's gangster. Uh, uh, when when God God made invisible chariots of fire visible for Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, when you can release chariots of fire to fight for your people, now that's gangster. That's gangster. When God told cancer it would not kill you, when he kept the stroke from taking you out, when he healed your body of COVID-19, that was God being gangster on your behalf. But the most gangsterist move of all was on this one Friday night when when God's son hung on that cross with nails in his hands and and nail in his feet. And he bled and died for you and for me. And he 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 died and was buried in a borrowed grave. But early Sunday morning, the spirit of God rose him from the dead. Y'all, that's gangster. When God can raise you from the dead, that's a gangster move. When God can rob the grave of his victory and death of its sting, that's gangster. And God can be gangster and cause for his people to engage in a little gangstology and be assertive. God promised us a place in our relationship with him where we can live out our faithful love for him. For example, in John chapter 14, verse 23 Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. Here's the promise. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Y'all, we have a promise of a place where we can be in our relationship with Christ, our communion with him where nothing can pluck us even from the palm of his hand. We have a promise of a place in him where we can live for him. He comes into us to empower us to be about that life of holiness. But I still have to be assertive and do my part. So I'm assertive, y'all. I'm assertive when I take initiative and launch an attack against whatever, not whomever, but whatever can pull me away from faithful worship unto the Lord. In other words, I'm assertive to obtain the promise when I grab my Bible and seek understanding rather than wait on someone else to give me a word. I'm assertive when I get in my prayer closet and pray privately, believing God will reward me publicly rather than wait on someone else to pray for me I'm assertive when I build myself up in my most holy faith rather than blame someone else for why I'm not growing God expects us to be assertive yeah he does his part and will continue to do his part but we've got to be assertive if we are going to obtain the promise that he makes for us and don't you understand that assertiveness is what turned the state of Georgia blue It wasn't inevitable passivity that Georgia helped to get Joe Biden and Kamala Harris elected. It wasn't because everybody sat back wishing Georgia would put Dr. Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in their respective offices. It was the assertiveness of a sister named Stacey Abrams. Yeah, Stacey Abrams founded Fair Fight Action to help push the Democrats' agenda. It was her assertiveness that turned Georgia around. If you are going to experience a turnaround in your life, if you are going to obtain the the promises of God for your life, you are going to have to be assertive. So assertive folks aren't passive folks. Assertive folks don't just sit back waiting on things to be given to them or to fall in their lap. They go get what they believe they can have. Be assertive and go get what God has promised you. Oh, but if I'm going to fight, if I'm going to fight to get in that place in my communion with God, where my faithfulness is, is unquestionable, un, unfathomable, uh, if, if I can't be pulled away from him, not only must I be assertive to obtain the promise, but number two, I must be assured that God is present. I must be assured that God is present. I'm going to look at verse one again in verse number four and find where I got to be assured that God is present. Verse one, when you go when you go out to fight your enemies and you face horses and chariots and an army greater than your own, do not be afraid. Why? The Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, is with you. Then in verse four, for the Lord, your God is going with you. He will fight for you against your enemies and he will give you victory. God is telling these, these mighty warriors. He's telling them that they were not to be intimidated by their enemies' horses. They were not to be intimidated by their enemy's chariots. They they were not to be intimidated by the size of their enemy's armies. They were to be assured that God was present with them to fight for them and to give them the victory. And my encouragement to you is for you to be assured. Don't be intimidated by how much of a challenge it is for you to get to a place in your worship where you and God are inseparable. Don't be intimidated by the power of what can pull you back into a life of sin. Don't be intimidated by the power of your addiction. Don't be intimidated by your lack of knowledge of the Bible. Don't be intimidated by how other folks in the church seem to have it all together and know all the words to all the songs and all All the verses in all the Bible, the same God who brought you out of sin is the same God who who has delivered us from sin. He is present with you to help you fight for your growth. God doesn't just save us and then toss us into the church and say, now go live right. No, God, God takes up residence on the inside of us. He gives us his spirit to help us fight for our sanctification so we can live in victory. He is present with you. He is present within you so you can understand his purpose for your life. He is present so you can overcome that addiction. God is present so you can fight to overcome depression and trauma and anxiety and despair. God is present to empower you to stop feeling sorry for yourself and entertaining suicidal thoughts. God is present so you can win the battle against pride and arrogance and stop thinking you can make it all by yourself. God who brought them out of Egypt was present with them. God is present to fight for them. God is present to ensure that they win. Let me ask you something. Do you know what victory looks like Do do, do you know what this kind of victory looks like? Victory like this, this sort of victory when you are assured that God is with you and you go to fight to get to that place in him where nothing can pull you away from him and nothing can cause you to compromise your worship. Listen, that victory, it, it looks like you sounding like Joshua when Joshua said, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. It sounds like when Paul was in prison and even in prison for preaching the gospel, Paul said, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Victory, victory looks like Job being sicker than a dog, but yet affirming, I know my Redeemer liveth. Uh, this this sort of victory looks like the Hebrew boys headed into the furnace declaring even if God doesn't get us out of this we still know that he's able. This kind of victory when you're assured that God is with you it looks like it looks like Peter denying Jesus three times and then hearing Jesus ask him three times if you still love me feed my sheep. I know you messed up but I haven't thrown you away. I know you messed up but I still have purpose for your life. I know you messed up but I can still use you to advance my kingdom get back in the game and feed my sheep let me tell you what it looks like when you know God is with you and you're assured of the victory victory looks like John being isolated being quarantined on the isle of Patmos but he can but he could still see Jesus yeah he he was exiled but he still saw Jesus he saw his hair and that it looks like wool he saw his eyes and that they're like flames of fire he saw his skin and it was the same color as brass he heard his voice and it was a sound like the roar of many waters all because God is present I don't know where you are I don't know whether you're frustrated I don't know whether you're down on yourself because you just can't seem to focus on God let me encourage you and remind you that God is with you God is with you be assured God is present and your growth and where you can go in him hear me y'all is not all on you It's not all. Read your Bible, but it ain't all on you. Give Him praise, but it ain't all on you. Pray without ceasing, but it ain't all on you. Learn, serve, give, and connect, but it ain't all on you. God is with you to help you, to empower you, to get to that place in Him where you and He are inseparable. Is anybody praying with me today? Fight as though you know He will help you. Get to that place in Him that is so strong, nothing can pull you away from living for him. How do we fight to get to a place where we are faithful in our worship unto the Lord? First, first we must be assertive to obtain our promise. Secondly, we must be assured that God is present. Thirdly, we must be aligned with the right partners. We must be aligned with the right partners. Listen, I'm going to take a glance at verses 5 through 9. 5 through 9, where God was trying to align the mighty men of God who would go forth to fight with the right partners. Verses 5 through 9. Then the officers of the army must address the troops and say, has anyone here just built a new house but not yet dedicated it? You might not want to go into this battle. Verse 6, has anyone here just planted a vineyard but not yet eaten any of its fruit? You might want to stay at the crib. Verse 7, has anyone here just become engaged to a woman but not yet, not yet married her? You might want to stay on bike. Verse 8 is the one that really gets me, y'all. Then the officers will also say, is anyone here scared? <laughs> if you're scared, you might want to take it to the house. Mm-mm, take it to the house. Mm-mm, take it to the house. <laughs> Everyone you can count can't be counted on. If you are going to fight to get to a place in your worship to where you unquestionably, irrevocably, irreversibly love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, then you're going to need to be aligned with the right partners. The truth is some folks aren't going to work out in helping you grow stronger in the Lord and in the power of his might. So but why would some of these folks not fit? Why, why, why would they not fit for the fight? Why would they need to be left behind? It could be it could be that their priorities were not in alignment with those who would need to engage in warfare. Really don't know. But how do you know? How do you know if you're aligned with the right partners? How do you know if you can count on a person to help you fight to be faithful? I could give you a list of indicators. I I mean, we could probably try and break down this list. I I don't know if you have a vineyard. I don't know if you have a brand new house. I don't know. I don't know if you're engaged to be married. Now, some of y'all, you got you a new bae. You got you a new boo. That can certainly pull you away from God. But let me just let me give you one strong indicator. Based on what all of this seems to, all of this seems to uh, 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 e- equate to it. It boils down to one question, as far as what I can see. And the question is, are they as hungry or hungrier than you to get to that place? If 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 they got more excuses than you do, they might not be able to help you. If they have some of the same excuses you have, it's cool to talk to them, cool to to chop it up with them. But I don't know if they can help you get to that place where your worship is just is is unquestionable and is, is irrevocable. There is a place worshipers end up in their relationship with the Lord when they're hungry enough to fight to get there. And you need to ask if those if those who are to partner with you are hungry passionate, ready to fight, eliminating excuses and fighting to get to that place. If they ain't putting no effort into getting there right now, they may not be able to partner with you to help you move forward in your walk with Christ. Bless his holy name. It's tight, but it's right. When the wrong people are on your team, though, they got to get cut. They They got to get cut. When athletes don't meet the standards to be on the team, they get cut. You have to cut some folks from your team and partner with those who whose hunger align with yours. Their priorities align with yours. Their faith aligns with yours. If they ain't trying to get closer to God, they probably can't help you get closer. If they're not trying to overcome some weaknesses in their flesh, I don't know if they can help you overcome weaknesses in yours. If they're not trying to really become more faithful and more intense in their love for God, I just, I don't know if they can help you become more intense in your love for God. But you need to partner with people who are hungry folks who ain't got excuses folk who can make pursuing God a priority they want it just as bad if not even better than you do but you ain't gonna get there by yourself just not gonna happen it's not designed to happen for you to get there by yourself God has designed for us to get to a certain place of communion with him in the context of community we need some partners We need some partners. I know you love to sing that song, Long As I Got King Jesus. I don't need nobody else. It's a good sounding song, but it's a lie. You need some other people. If you're going to get stronger, you need some other people. If you're going to intensify your worship, you need some other people. Partner and align with the right people. And finally, number four, and I'm done, finally. As you engage in the fight, as you engage in the fight, the fourth and final thing I want to tell you is be adaptable in how you manage potential problems. Be adaptable in how you manage potential problems. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, as you approach a town to attack it, you must first offer its people terms for peace. If they accept your terms and open the gates to you, then all the people inside will serve you in forced labor. But if they refuse to make peace and prepare to fight, you must attack the town. When the Lord your God hands the town over to you, use your source to kill every man in the town. But you may keep for yourselves all the women, children, livestock, and other plunder. Verse 15. But these instructions apply only to distant towns, not to the towns of the nations in the land you will enter. In those towns that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, destroy everybody, everybody, all of them. Moses exhorted the next generation of the children of Israel to be adaptable in how they would manage potential problems. The influence of heathen worship was a potential problem. Those who would inhabit Canaan were given two approaches to take with heathens as they attacked the towns of Canaan. With small, distant towns, they were to offer terms for peace. In other words, there was an option to coexist with the people who lived in, let's say, uh, the very rural areas of Canaan or possibly towns just outside of Canaan itself. God did not command the Israelites to destroy everyone who lived out in the country out in Marshallville in Canaan, yeah, out at uh, out, out Millishville in Canaan. God did, not command the, uh, God did not command the Israelites to destroy everyone who lived out in the country. Some would be allowed to live if they accepted Israel's terms. And so if the terms were accepted, the women, children, livestock, and certain valuables uh, could become the possession of Israel. The brothers were to be slaughtered. However, in the towns, in the towns where the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites dwelt, they were not afforded such an offer. Everyone was to be eliminated. Verse 16 says, "Every living thing was to be destroyed." All of the children, all of the women, all of the men, regardless of age or condition, were to be destroyed. This is what happened when Joshua led Israel in destroying Jericho. After the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, Joshua and them went into Jericho and killed everyone except Rahab and her family. They presented a potential problem of pulling God's people away from worshiping him and him alone. They they, they posed a potential problem of persuading God's people to abandon the Lord and incorporate some of their abominable worship practices into their worship of Yahweh. So the children of Israel, this, this next generation who's going in to conquer Canaan, uh, had to know how to adapt. They had to know which approach to take in any given town. The, 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 uh, the, there was not one general approach mandated for all the towns, regardless of the geographical location. The approach they take to seizing control of the town depended on where the town was located. Some areas, listen y'all, some areas may not have been as dangerous as others. The religious fervor in some towns may not have been as intense as in others. So knowing which approach was suitable for any given location was important. If there was any wisdom to pass on to those on the come up, it would be to be able to adapt in managing potential problems. In any given location, in any given relationship with others, there are potential problems. The enemy can cause demonic and worldly influence to jump off anywhere. Some places and some people may not be as intense as in other places of darkness than others. Don't get me wrong, y'all. Sin and darkness is everywhere. But some places may serve it up with greater intensity than others. I told y'all the story of when when our daughters went off to college. Janelle went to college in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then Janelle, I'm sorry, Janelle went to college in Charlotte, North Carolina, Tanisha went away to school in Savannah. They both had a similar experience. The first semester of their freshman years where they both encountered some 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 violence i mean they saw it firsthand they they were right there when people were getting shot and killed or they they saw a body being pulled out of a creek so they they i mean they both had a similar experience they called me daddy they told me what happened i they told me what happened and they said i'm not used to this i, I, I didn't grow up seeing this and then they said, i, I don't feel safe here so where, where, what do you want to do I, i'm i'm thinking about transferring school and going where I don't know. Maybe Atlanta. Both of them. Janelle in her freshman year wanted to transfer to some school in Atlanta. Tanisha in her freshman year saw some violence like she had never seen before. Wanted to transfer to a school in Atlanta as if Atlanta was safer than Charlotte, as if Atlanta was safer than Savannah. My God. You have to be adaptable in managing potential problems. Warner Robbins is not like Atlanta or Savannah or Charlotte or San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York City or Miami. Warner Robbins High School, Northside High, Veterans High, Perry High, HOKO ain't the same as Howard, Spellman, Morehouse, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, FAMU, or the Air Force or the Army, or the Navy, or the Marines, or the Coast Guard. If you find yourself living outside these yet-to-be United States, you have to adapt to life in Haiti, Ghana, Germany, Japan, Korea, or Turkey, or Saudi Arabia. People are different. Cultures vary. Customs are diverse. What's acceptable and appropriate here may not be so with other people and in other places. You have to know how to adapt, and yet... Keep it holy. You may not be able to hang around people who have all kinds of alcohol available and not be enticed to take a drink. But you cannot handle being around people who have marijuana or crack cocaine or heroin and refrain from getting high. Some folks you can be around while others you must practice social distancing. God is after a people who, even if they coexist with other people of other religions and beliefs, God's people still worship him and him alone and love him with all their heart, all their soul, and all their strength. So there may be some times when you can hang with some people because they're not as intense and persuasive with their beliefs, and then there are times when you need to cut other people off because you're not as strong as you need to be in your faithfulness to God. They pose a problem. They pose a threat because you're not as strong in your faith as you ought to be. But one thing I love about Jesus is that he was faithful and sinless as our Savior, but he adapted to who he was hanging around without compromising who he was. He could sit down and teach his disciples principles of the kingdom, and then you'd find him in another setting chilling with sinners. He could invest his time with folks trying to live holy and then spend time with folks trying to hustle. He was so involved with sinners that the religious leaders of his day accused him of being one of them. But he did it all without compromising who he was as the sinless son of the living God. Then I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. He was adaptable in managing potential problems, but in a way where he adapted, or, or, or adapted to certain people of certain backgrounds in order to pull them to Christ. Here is his testimony. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. Paul, what else did you do? When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the Jewish law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring Christ, th- so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Paul goes on and says, when I am weak, I am. Well, listen, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring them, bring bring the weak to Christ. Watch this. First Corinthians 922. Yes, here it is. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Be adaptable in managing potential problems, but don't compromise who you are in Christ and where he wants to take you. Find common ground with everyone and be persuasive in leading them to Christ. If they're into sports, use conversations about sports or attending sports events to lead them to Christ. If they're into cars, then talk about cars or or attend car shows in hopes of leading the lost to Christ. If they're white, try to bring, listen, try to find common ground with them. If they're Asian, try to find common ground. If they're liberal and you're conservative, try to find common ground. If they're broke and you're rich, try to find common ground and win them to Christ. If they get high and you stay sober, then try to find common ground. If they get high and you get high, both of y'all come see me so I can bring y'all to Christ. All I want to tell y'all is to fight it's a fight, you got to fight there's a place in Christ where you're not going to get unless you fight there is a place in your relationship with God that's reserved for you that's promised for you, that you're not going to abide in unless you fight and I believe I'm talking to somebody who's been brought from a mighty long way, someone who may not be all that you ought to
2: be but you're not all that you used to be all because you fought to get where you are, you still got a long way to go, but you You fought to get where you are. You prayed to get where you are. You got in the word to get where you are. You had to forgive to get where you are. You had to praise to get where you are. You had to fall down and get back up to get where you are you had to fall on your face and be humbled before the Lord to get where you are is anybody praying with me you didn't wake up like this you didn't wake up quoting John three sixteen. you didn't wake up declaring the victory you didn't wake up overcoming sin but God has brought you from a mighty mighty long way is there anybody on the stream anybody in the sanctuary Who's still imperfect. Still got a long way to go. But praise God for how far he brought you. Praise God for how all that he taught you. Praise God for bringing you from a mighty, mighty long way. I just want to encourage somebody. You've got to keep on fighting. Fight to be more faithful. Fight to love him more. Fight to worship him like you're going out your mind. Fought like, fight like as if God has fought for you Because the truth is he fought for you God fought to save you God fought to deliver you fought, God fought to redeem you One day when I was lost God got into a fight When Jesus on the cross And I know it was the blood I said it was the blood He didn't fight with the sword He didn't fight with any cannons He didn't fight with any airplanes. He, He fought with the blood. He fought with his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus was on the cross He was fighting for you when he hung his head and died. He was fighting for you when they buried him in a borrowed grave. Jesus was fighting for you when he was raised early that Sunday morning. Jesus was fighting for you when he was ascended to the right hand of the Father. He was fighting for you, but the fight didn't stop there. right now in the midst of your pain Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you asking God to give you more power asking God to give you more grace asking God to give you more strength right now right now he's fighting for you right now he's going to bet for you right now He's warring for you. Warring for you to make it. Warring for you to move forward. Warring for you to grow stronger. Right now, in the midst of your tears. Right now, in the midst of your shame. Right now, in the midst of your guilt. Jesus, he's fighting for you. I need somebody to holler. Fight for me. I feel like I'm about to lose it. Fight for me. I feel like I'm going backwards. Fight for me. I don't want to walk away from you. Fight for me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can I share my prayer with you? Can I share my heart with you? My prayer. As I try to fight. My prayer. As I know he's fighting for me. Is draw me nearer. Draw me nearer nearer every day. Draw me nearer every moment. Draw me nearer. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? If you draw night to him, he will. God will. God will draw night to you. I know he will. I know he will. I try him said I tried him, and I found out he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he, ain't he? Ain't he, ain't he? Ain't he all right? Has he brought you from a mighty long way? Shot yes, shard yes. Shout yes. Hallelujah. Listen, I need somebody to declare I'm going to get there. I need somebody to declare by faith in God's word, I'm going to get there. I'm gonna get to that place where nothing can pull me away from God I'm gonna get to that place where nothing can make me doubt him I'm gonna get to that place where nothing will make me rebel against him I'm gonna get to that place where I'm gonna do what he tells me to do Go where he tells me to go Do what he tells me to do I'm gonna get to that place Hallelujah Bless his name Hallelujah 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 i need somebody willing to fight just type a yes in the comments just put yes yes i'm willing to fight yes i'm willing to fight yes i'm willing to fight yes i'm willing to keep fighting i got to get to that place he's brought me too far he's done too much for me i've seen him do too much i've heard him say too much i've got to get to that place hallelujah Yes, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. A place of greater victory. A place of greater faithfulness. A place of greater worship. There's a place for you.
1: You can move forward. I know you did what you did. You can move forward. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. The place you're in now if you can testify that you've been brought from a mighty long way is the place that was reserved for you a place of worship that was reserved for you a place of communion that was reserved for you a place of victory that was reserved for you and I'm telling you there's another place another place of greater victory greater worship greater faithfulness more intense
0: love for God This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.